0: Welcome to episode 52 of the Behind the Weather Forecast podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Lukowicz. Thanks for listening today and joining me now um, on the phone is Dr. Janelle Hanrahan. She is from uh, Linden State College. She is the uh, leader of the uh, Atmospheric Science and Meteorology Department. Thanks so much, Dr. H., for coming on.
1: I'm happy to be here. And one quick correction is that we are now in Northern Vermont University. We have been for the last four years. We used to be Linden State College.
0: Okay. Yes. is the meteorology schools at Linden, though, right?
1: Yeah, we're on the Linden campus, um, but it's still Northern Vermont University. So it's the Department of Atmospheric Sciences. We offer two degrees. One is in atmospheric sciences and one is in climate change science.
0: Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. Um, hey, we all make mistakes sometimes, right? Um, but uh, it, it, first, tell me about your story and um, sort of uh, how you got to uh, Northern Vermont University and um, your interest in weather.
1: Sure. So um, I guess I, I came into atmosphere sciences uh, in a, a less kind of traditional way. So many of our students, uh, who we affectionately refer to as weather um, enjoyed the weather and, and severe weather in particular ever since they were young. And my story actually doesn't uh, follow that path. I actually really enjoy mathematics, computer science, physics. And so I earned my undergraduate degree in a small student-centered institution called Alverno College in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and that was it, purely in mathematics. Um, But also, I I did a lot with computer science and physics. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. And because it was a small student-centered institution, my advisor reached out to me and uh, knew all about my interests and told me to check out the Atmospheric Sciences program for my master's degree at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. And so I did that, walking in, not really knowing anything about field and really just fell in love with it. Particularly, I I really enjoyed climatology because that's kind of the combination of mathematics and statistics and then being able to apply all of that to our atmosphere. Um, And so I I ended up earning my master's degree and ultimately continued on to get uh, my PhD, which is the terminal degree in our field. And then from there I ended up uh doing a postdoctoral research position at the University of Alberta where I was doing some research investigating how climate change is impacting extreme precipitation in the area. And so I was doing some uh modeling work there. And then uh I heard about this small institution, which at the time was called Linden State College in the northeastern corner of Vermont, uh, that had an active atmosphere sciences program and they were looking for somebody with my background. I came out here to interview and absolutely fell in love with the area, fell in love with the college. Um, It's pretty rare to be able to find an atmospheric sciences program, an active one, by the way, because we've been around for almost 50 years, and Mm. um, we do a lot of really fun and exciting stuff, Uh, but I I was really surprised to see that type of program within a small student-centered institution in a very rural area. And so I fell in love with the area, fell in love with the college, um, got the job, and I've been here
0: now almost 10 years. That's great. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I'm here in Providence, Rhode Island, and our market is, you know, it in fairly small. You know, we have, I would say, a dozen-ish um, TV meteorologists, and I know of at least four who went to what was, you know, of course, Linden State College for their meteorology degree, so a fact that a third of the broadcast meteorologists in Rhode Island went there um, really is something. And, and just for people's you know reference here as they listen, um, in Rhode Island, the people are Kelly Bates, Anthony Macari, Tony Petrarca, and TJ Del Santo. I'm not sure, Doctor, if you're familiar with any of them, but it just shows um, how your program is one of the best in the country, right? It really is, yeah.
1: And I am familiar with a few of those students or former students. Um, And you'll find that actually all over the country, Um, again, just because we've been around for so long, and we've got an amazing in-house television studio, Um, and so I I really do think that we're one of the best when it comes to training our broadcast meteorologists. And I actually can't take a lot of credit for that, because um, I teach more of the theoretical classes, and I try to stay as far from TV as possible. Uh, (laughs) But we have some amazing professors in the department, and we also have some who are actively working on TV who are teaching some of our classes. So our students graduate very well prepared to enter the field of broadcast
0: meteorology. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I, I met with uh, one of your students as I'm exploring here, and, you know, they were really passionate about climate change policy, and then I, have you know, follow um, other folks on Twitter who, you know, discuss, um, you know, their uh, broadcasts Meteorology side of things, and it's just interesting to see the wide range of uh, uh, paths you can take. With you know, you know, of course, the commonality being everybody has an interest in weather, but you could apply it to TV, you can go work at the weather service, you can do consulting or work more on climate change, you know, whatever. Um, there's just so much to do with it. So Talk about, you know, for people like me who are interested in meteorology school, I do understand it's a hard major, a lot of science, um, but talk about uh, how your program works and sort of what to expect as a student, yeah, if you go there.
1: Sure. So, yeah, you did a nice job of mentioning uh, the various sectors of our field, and broadcast meteorology really is kind of the face of our science. So when students come into our degree program, that's typically what they're looking to do. Uh, but we do have five different concentrations and you've listed a couple of them, climate change, private industry. And um, oftentimes our students will continue on the broadcast meteorology track, but sometimes they'll they'll pick up another concentration or sometimes they'll change altogether. They'll decide that they really want to go to grad school or something like that instead. Mm -hmm. Um, So when students come in, they can really choose any concentration that, that they prefer. And then there's lots of times kind of Maybe double or even triple up on some of the concentrations. Um, there is a lot of math, for sure, um, particularly in the Atmospheric Sciences degree program, because it's pretty theoretical. And so by the time you graduate, you have an understanding of how you can apply three-dimensional calculus to our atmosphere to really understand the state of our atmosphere and predictability of our atmosphere. Um, but we do also have our climate change concentration, which is a little newer, um, a lot newer, I should say. We've only had it for a few years. And there's less math with the climate change concentration simply because it's yes, more about applying the science as opposed to doing the science. So these graduates essentially serve as liaisons between climate experts and kind of everybody else. And there's, there's a pretty big gap um, in that area right now. And so... There is a lot of math and physics in the amateur sciences degree. Typically, if you want to go on to become a broadcast meteorologist, you do have to embark on that journey. But we try to provide as many resources as possible for our students because we know that that is a pretty major uh, area of anxiety for our students and something that a lot of our students can, can struggle with. So we, we do try to provide as much resources as possible in that area.
0: Absolutely. I want to talk more about the, the climate path um, because... And something I focused on on the podcast here a lot is climate change and having um, the perspectives of different meteorologists um, as well as just, you know, people in the field um, to discuss climate change in our environment. So uh, I'm curious, why is Lyndon focusing on it and what are your thoughts on climate change as a whole?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, so our moving with the field. Um, You know, it used to be that departments were more meteorology, more focused on short-term forecasting, uh, individual weather events, and Mm -hmm. as our climate continues to change, weather events continue to change, and so even if you're not interested in climatology or climate change, you're just interested in severe weather, say uh, cyclones or tornadoes or something like that, even those are continuing to change as our climate system is changing. And so we realized uh, quite a while ago that we needed to change our curriculum so that all of our students were graduating with a solid understanding of not just climatology, not just climate change, but human-caused climate change. Mm. Because no matter what field they go into, they're going to have to uh, learn about the science, understand the science, and be able to apply the science. And so we want to make sure that our students, and this includes broadcast meteorologists, because they're being called on more and more to actually talk about the science on air. We want to make sure that they're well-prepared to do that. Um, So that's kind of within our curriculum. But in addition to that, we have a group that's called the Climate Consensus, which started back in 2014. And this really stemmed from a couple of students walking into my office saying that they were frustrated that people didn't understand the science of climate change. Because oftentimes you hear that, you know, people don't believe in climate change or mm. think that it's happening. And whether you believe in it or not or think it's happening or not, it is. Notification. And it's caused Settings. by the existence of if not all of the changes we've seen in our climate system since about 1960, has been directly attributable to human activities. And so... They these these two students really wanted to make sure that that people are starting to understand this because if people don't understand their own role in in changing our climate system, we're never going to be able to do anything about it. And in my mind, the best part about climate change is that humans are the cause because that means that we can also be the solution. And so with this climate consensus group, what we've been doing is, trying to encourage uh, our upcoming atmospheric scientists to engage with the public about the science, because oftentimes scientists don't talk to the public about something like climate change, because it's seen as being political or divisive, Um, and so we've been working with them on doing that, and more recently, we took a bit of a hiatus with all the outreach work because of COVID, Mm -hmm. um, but we're now pivoting to a multi-institution outreach network, and we actually have eight universities on board right now, and we're looking to expand in the near future. So we're hoping that this sort of thing, this climate outreach that's occurring within atmospheric sciences and geoscience departments as a whole, that this sort of thing will become
0: commonplace moving forward. I absolutely agree, and I think education is one of the most important parts. It's one of the many reasons I wanted to start this podcast and why I've been doing these interviews, and it's great to hear that um, NVU has really uh, been focused on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it has become political. That's sort of how it was introduced to me. You know, there were uh, I don't know presidential candidates, you know, debating about it. But it's it's more than just believing in it or not. It's it's doing something. About it. And I, I love that statement you made that humans are the problem, so we can be the solution. So uh, that could be one of the best quotes we've heard uh, from any guests on this uh, podcast. And I, I appreciate that. I never, I guess, uh, thought of it that way. And um, th- th- those are words of wisdom for sure. And I think people need to uh, know that and acknowledge it and act upon it. Um, So, yeah, and I mean, if you're a broadcast uh, meteorologist, a lot of times, especially the newer ones coming out of college might be uh, doing, I don't know, weekend mornings, um, and then during the week, if they're not filling in for somebody else, um, you know, yeah, they're typically doing the environmental story. So it is something that uh, is needed regardless of what path you take. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so um, I appreciate that, and... Um, is there a particular course that uh, you enjoy teaching? Or I know you said you like to do more of the the fundamentals and not the broadcast side of it, but um, I'm just curious. You know what you teach and what you uh, find most fascinating. Yeah. So I
1: teach. Um, I, yeah, a bunch of the um, kind of physical dynamics type. Uh, courses so I teach atmospheric thermodynamics, atmospheric dynamics one and two, um, some more of the, the theoretical type courses that do require a lot of math and physics. But I also teach um, most of our climatology and climate change courses, and those range anywhere from introduction to climate change, which is just fundamental ideas of what, what climate change is, how do we know humans are the cause, things like that. And that's oftentimes populated by students who are not atmospheric sciences majors or science majors at all. Um, so it's really a, a true introduction to science, true upper level, um, more theoretical type courses that are, are meant for our atmospheric sciences students. So maybe some students will be going on to become climate scientists in graduate school or something like that. Um, and in terms of my favorite class, that honestly, it changes from semester to semester and from year <laughs> to year. Um, I really enjoy all the classes that I teach, which is why I teach them, obviously, because it's in my area of expertise and, and in my interest. Um, but I think that, you know, it just kind of depends on the students and, and their level of, um, I guess, interaction and enthusiasm about the topic. But oftentimes, my favorite classes are actually the ones that students dread the most, (laughs) because I know that that they're walking into atmospheric dynamics, which is uh, based on on calculus concepts, and they're nervous about it, because they don't like math. and I think I get really excited when I get to see that aha moment, when a student goes from um, taking this this calculus concept that they learned, you know, a couple semesters before or something, and they can actually apply it to something that they love. And it actually helps them to understand that something even better. Um, And so I, I think that maybe those courses might be my favorite, but again, it changes from year
0: to year. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm curious as a, as a professor, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, COVID has obviously just obviously disrupted everything here within the last, um, you know, over a year now, like 14, 15 months, whatever it is. Um, and I know things are starting to reopen. I don't know what it's like up there in Vermont, but, um. Yeah, I mean, you know, the we're we're getting back to normal slowly but steadily, which which is obviously a, a good thing. Um, but how, I'm just curious, how has the virus impacted the meteorology department um, as well as Linden State and uh, NVU as a whole?
1: Yeah, I think you know, just like the rest of the world, it's impacted everything that we do. Um, you know, I, I'll never forget when when we were starting to get news that this is happening. Um, our students are in the process of planning the Northeastern Storm Conference, which they've done every year for the past 46 or 7 years. Wow. Where so they've held this conference um, that's regularly attended by several hundred people um, from all over the area. And they're in the process of planning it and trying to figure out, should they still go through at the conference, if so, what you know, safety standards need to be put in place. And so they ended up moving forward with the conference, and it was well-attended, and it was great, but I remember that that was the first time where we really started wearing a lot of, or putting a lot of hand sanitizer on and and practicing social distancing, and then um, right when we all got back from that is when everything shut down, um, you know, pretty much across the university, but also kind of across the state and across the country. And so we were fortunate that we were able to have that one big gathering. But I, I remember yeah. standing in my class talking with my students in Dynamics and just saying, you know, we don't know that we're going to be here next week. And we need to figure out how to pivot and do everything completely remotely. And for our students in the Amateur Sciences Department, that meant that our students weren't just leaving the college. They were leaving Vermont because mm-hmm. our, most of our students are from all over the country. Definitely. And so... You know, it's scary for me as a professor who knows my students really well and cares about my students to, you know, send them away from Vermont, which was relatively safe. You know, our numbers here in Vermont have been low compared to so many other places in the country. Definitely. And, you know, knowing (laughs) that I had to send them back to their home states in many cases, which are hotspots. But, you know, we, we did the pivot. We went completely online, just like other universities. Um, we made it work. Our students have been extremely adaptable. Um we've continued mostly online um, through now and and now starting in the fall, we're looking forward to being back completely in person, hopefully maskless. Um, hopefully, you know the students and, and faculty and everybody else will all be vaccinated. yeah, um, and we' we're, we're just really looking forward to a return to normal.
0: I know yeah, i I, I agree with you these last uh, year or so has been uh, craziness, um, especially in education, regardless if it's, uh, you know, just regular uh, high school or college or lower grades, of course, and it definitely uh, impacts everybody's daily lives. So uh, here we are the last few minutes. Um, I always like to give my guests the last word. So uh, do you have anything that you'd like to add or that you think it's important for people to know?
1: Say Ryan that you should keep doing what you're doing, and that other people should follow suit. Um, when it comes to climate change, not nearly enough people will talk about it, and this is the biggest issue of our time, and it's not going away anytime soon. You know, once we get past COVID, um, climate change is looming, and it's not going to go away with a vaccine. Um, and we can't just hide in our houses and and you know have it go away in the background. So this is something that's Still happening; fine. it's getting worse climate change is not done it's just beginning and we still have a lot of sitting in the outcome but the only way that that's going to happen is if people are talking about it and trying to solve these problems and and trying to figure out what we're going to do next so keep talking about it Um, keep making sure that that we make other people aware of what's happening Um, and I, I would just say keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your time today, Dr. Hanrahan. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll see you in a few years up at uh, NVU if I end up going there. But uh, your program looks good. It definitely stands out to uh, students like me who are looking, and uh, great to have you on today.
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.